Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present. And we've got a wonderful show for you today, and it's going to be a lot of fun. This this is kind of one of those things where we kind of walk off the cliff together and hope for the best. And uh, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great fun for everybody. And uh, the first person I want to introduce, I've got a couple people with us today. And the first person I want to introduce is our co-host for today. Her name is Shelly Mache, and she is a coach out of California, a life coach. And she really is a dynamic individual. She's been on the show before, and I enjoyed her a great deal when she was on the show. And so now I, she, today she's acting as our co-host. So I'm going to introduce her right now. And, uh, uh, Shelly, how are you? Hi, Kevin. How are you? I'm excited about today. Well, today's going to be great fun. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and for those that don't know, we occasionally, what we'll do is we will send out a, um, um, a contest and invite people that, have been on the show before that are familiar with what we do to come back and to, and to play with us and to have a good time. And you won the contest to yes. come host the show. So I get to play with you today. <laughs> in, a, in a manner of speaking. Yes. And <laughs> more so you get to, you get to play with uh, uh, me and, uh, or with Shanna and I, and uh, you both are, this will be an interesting discussion because you both are really interested in helping people. You're both coaches. Um, and it's really, I'm interested to see how this conversation evolves. So so with that, um, I'm going to introduce, uh, Shanna and Shanna, give us your last name, please. So I don't screw it up. Hey guys, Shanna Francesca here. And and Shanna, of course, you met Shelly just re- really briefly a, a minute ago. 30 seconds ago. <laughs> right. So this will be a fun conversation that we get to have because both of you are about helping people live lives a little bit better. And in some cases, a whole lot better. And a lot better, yeah finding their passion and doing what they really love to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, um, um, Shannon, let's talk about, first of all, where did you get the name for your website? All right. Well, you've heard this, but everybody else is going to hear this. <laughs> so Consonate is the name of my business. It's a real word and it really came about beautifully and organically. It's just a dead word. It's a word we at least don't use here in the United States. Um, consonate means to arrange or blend together skillfully as parts or elements to put together in a harmonious, precisely appropriate or elegant manner. And that's exactly what I do is to help people to be intentional about their life, right? Uh, for me, what I do is I call it, I, what I do, I call life design, right? And it's not about doing more. It's about being more intentional with what we're already doing and recognizing what in our lives is no longer or may never have been serving us and was part of our life in an effort to um, really to align with societal expectations rather than with our own understanding of who we are. Um, and so when my, fr- I'm a total nerd, Kevin, you learned this. Um, my friend and I used to um, both read dictionaries growing up. Yay for the cool people. Um, and my, so mom, my mom made me do that. My mom made me do that. So I'm going to tell her someone else did that, but I, I was forced. My, my parents did not make me. I did this of my own free will. And I kept a journal with me at all times so that whenever somebody said a word or I read a word that I didn't know, I would then like write it down and take it home and go through the dictionary and write out the def- definition of every word that I came across that I didn't know yet. So super nerd here high. Um, (laughs) And so my friend, Sheil, um, she knew I had been working through um, the ethos of of what Consonate was going to be. And and I had worked through our values and I had written all of this stuff out. And so I was going through all of it with her and I had the brand identity, like I had all this stuff, but I just didn't have the name. And like, like six weeks later, she randomly sends me a text message of the word consinity. And I started going into a deep dive on this word and eventually it led me to consonate. And that became, once I read the definition, I was like, that's it. That's the, that's the one. And here we are, you know. (laughs) Isn't it amazing how 
things like that just kind of pop up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just kind of show up out of nowhere. Now, you, you ladies, you both don't know that when I say out of nowhere, I don't mean out of nowhere. It comes from somewhere. Oh, Mm -hmm. you know, and and it is all designed to help you and to help other people figure out how you can help them better. And uh, Mm -hmm. it's funny how it's funny how when you get more intentional, how lucky you become. Isn't that something? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly, have you have you noticed that as well? Yeah. You know, I'm for one, I'm all about intentionality. I believe that that we progress the best and we're able to receive the most when we're intentional about what we currently have. And yeah. so, you know, when uh, I know for me personally, I am a person um, that I'm an ABC person. So I like to have things planned out. I like to know what what's next. Sometimes that works for my favor. Sometimes it could drive me a little, <laughs> a, a little batty here and there. But what I've learned is when I'm intentional about the one thing that I am doing, it opens up the door. It opens up the flow. It opens up yeah. clarity for other things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you, it's about being intentional with what we can, right? About the choices exactly. we have, right? Because mm-hmm. we know that systems of oppression exist. We know that different people have limited choices, right? Mm-hmm. But the more intentional we get about the choices we do have, the more powerful they become. Exactly. And then we're powerfully connected better to ourselves. And then we can more powerfully connect together and create mm-hmm. community. And then everybody can have access you know, to the same or better choices, right? The more we connect to each yeah, other. Yeah, and you're more confident. More, you're more yeah. confident about those choices. Yeah. You know, have, have you found that even in being a coach that when you're intentional about the things that, that you're doing, about your schedule, about your time management, about your clients, that it actually opens up another level of um, of confidence of what you're doing and the decisions that you're making in your business. You're yeah. you're not fumbling, you know, you don't feel overwhelmed because you're taking control of over the things that you can. We don't have control over everything, but the things that we do, if we're intentional about those things, then it helps us to be more confident about the other things. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Love that. Shannon, since you are such a, you know, a book worm (laughs) and a nerd, Yep. How how do to become a coach? You have to be a little a little bit you know free and a little bit. But you like I you strike me as somebody that likes everything in order, one thing at a time, and mm-hmm. and everything. No, that's not you. I mean, yes and no. So I think that there is it's necessary to establish a direction, to establish an intention, to to think through things and to have a plan. But I'm not um I I think about I I talk about it like this. I'm more of the person who established dire- who likes to establish direction on a compass and know know the terrain that we might face and the things that might come up and be prepared for that terrain and for the things that we might face, then I'm I'm not the map quest person, right? I'm not the one who's like, turn left here and move 500 feet. Like that's, I'm not, I'm not planning like that. I'm, I'm looking at the bigger picture and the smaller picture and establishing direction. Um, I, I really can't, I, I, I'm not the like, I'm a list maker, but I'm not the like hardcore have to write everything down, have to follow. Like I'm not a, I'm not a rule follower. <laughs> right? I'm a bookworm, not a rule follower. I'm a, I'm, I, I need to know the rules so I can know how to break them. Right. That's the person I am. <laughs> Do you find that you're more of a flexible, are you more of a flexible person then? Can, mm-hmm. can you, it can depends you be flexible with those? About. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a more flexible person. Yeah, and I love learning. I would say I'm a curious person, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I say, like that. I'm a curious yeah, person. I'm a curious person. I would say that people who know me know I'm terribly passionate. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't, no one calls me light and breezy. No one's ever said that about me ever in my whole life. Um, <laughs> they might say that I'm funny, but, and I'm fun, but I'm, I'm a very serious person. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm inflexible. But I would say that there are things in my life that that I am unflexible about, mm-hmm, right? Like mm-hmm. about, you know, I'm not interested in in I'm not interested in working with people or having discussions with people who don't believe in for for instance, basic human rights. I'm inflexible mm-hmm. about that, right? Mm-hmm, so there are mm-hmm. absolutes, but then I come from a place of curiosity, 
right? Mm -hmm. In my life. So it's a lot of, to me, as human beings, we're crazy nuanced. So I'm not one thing or another. I'm a lot of things just like everybody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and you just you just said something that I wanted to mention to you because we also want to talk about life design and yeah. what that is and how you can help people. But you said you are terribly, and then you used another word. What was I? And I it, it escaped my my mind. Don't ask me to repeat myself, Kevin. <laughs> I'm never going to remember. I'm 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 I think I'm a terribly nuanced person, right? As I think well, what I said. Well, and and it struck me that I would never think of that as as terribly anything. I think that yeah. is, well, I think that is wonderfully yeah. and marvelous and yeah, and stuff. I, yeah. I think I don't. Yeah, maybe I'm using terribly in a kind of a sarcastic way. Like I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly nuanced, just like every other human. And I think the thing that some, one of the things that's so damaging about our world is that it requires us to categorize ourselves rather than embrace our nuance. And I think mm. that's the thing. That's one of the things. There's so many things because anyway, there's so many things, but <laughs> the, the requirement to categorize ourselves is one of the ways in which we are dehumanized. It's one of the ways in which we become our world creates us as industrialized human beings, right? It, it strips us of the nuance and, and that's really where we're meant to live and instead puts us in boxes and cages, right? And so for me, the, the most powerful part of my work is us just embracing our nuance and being able to say, I am this and this, right? I mm -hmm. describe it as saying, I live in the world of and, not or. Right. Oh, that is so good because that is what I tell my clients. Yeah. You don't have to be uh, either or. Yeah. You can you you can be an and and yeah. you get to fill in that blank yeah. afterwards. Yeah, it's yes and right. It's like improv. I it's love yes that. And. Right. Yes. And so once I, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a kid that grew up like not only being in drama class but like teaching drama and taking improv classes and being on the stage and in some aspect of many parts of my life and. You know, the thing that I love about improv is the and, right? The yes and. And so my, I think my philosophy very much is derived from that of like, I live in the and, not the mm -hmm. or, right? Mm -hmm. Because life is really, when we really get embraced in our nuance, it is improvisational, right? It is moving with what happens and being prepared mm -hmm. for what happens, right? We develop a vast array of skills and abilities. And then when the difficult moment or the good moment or whatever moment comes up, we have all these skills to pull from, right? When we are categorized and forced to only be good at a few things, we don't have the skill set necessary to be able to address what comes up, right? Like we're we're just um, we're not being able to live in our full nuanced selves, right? I want to since you brought that up, I want to. This is a message for all you parents out there. Please, please, as your children are growing up, put them in drama class. And oh yeah. Specifically, put them in improvisational drama because it it matters so much to so many things. Yeah. Um, if you if your child grows up and becomes a salesperson, they become a good salesperson because they can think on their feet. Or if they want to be be a speaker, or if they want whatever it is they want to do, it yeah. gives them the confidence yeah. to be able to live life to their fullest. So, yeah. so I I I love um I love drama. I love acting. I'm I have drama in my life, but no. <laughs> Who doesn't? We're human. We're alive. <laughs> we're alive, and it's it's a it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Shelly, did you when you were young? Did you? I suspect that you took either you didn't take acting, but you were you were uh, vibrant and alive and everything. That you <laughs> Listen, I tell people I have been acting since I was in the womb. Yeah. I I came I came here a star. <laughs> And just because other people didn't recognize it or didn't know it, that does not invalidate the stardom in me. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I've actually, yeah, that, that was actually, um, I, I was actually going, that was my goal to be an A-list actor. Life mm -hmm. ended up taking different twists and turns, but I've been able to still love acting. Um, I'm on, uh, I love theater. So I spend, mm -hmm. I spent most of my time on the stage mm -hmm. and I love being able to be on the stage. I still remember being about five or six doing one of my first performances and it was amazing. And when the mm -hmm. audience stood up and cheered and roared, even as a five-year-old, I was like, 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shelly the Diva. That's, that's right. <laughs> so, but uh, now, Shelly, one of the things that you work on and you work really well with is called life design. Could you yeah. explain to us what life design is? Yeah. So I I made it up. <laughs> All by yourself? Yeah, I made it up. I just, I got to the place where, so my background is I, I, I have a BS in interior design and I worked with people. I still take on interior design projects, um, uh, with my clients sometimes. Um, but it really sits under this umbrella of life design and really design is a function of intention, right? So mm. when you are designing something, you're creating an intention for something and then you're deciding, okay, I'm going to, now that I have this intention for this moment, this is the steps I'm going to take. And this is the outcome I'd like from this, from this moment. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, that's the difference between just living in a house and having a well-designed house or having an interior, working with an interior designer. Right. Um, but you don't necessarily have to work with an interior designer to have a well-designed house. Right. It's just a matter of applying intention and having this through line that connects things, right. That connects all of these things. Um, and the same is true for our lives. Right. Mm -hmm. Whether and when I say our lives, I think a lot of time people immediately think of their personal life. And what I love to clarify with people and and help them to get really clear on is we are living while we're working. Right. Mm -hmm. We hear these statement mm -hmm. all the time of work life balance. Mm -hmm. But that very statement implies that we are not living while we're working. And perhaps it's because we don't feel like we're living while we're working. Right. And because mm. in many ways, we're not allowed to feel like we're living while we're working. And so when I say life design, I mean everything because we are alive and we are living it and everything that we do touches us. Right. And so when we get intentional, we can release that which is no longer serving us. We can align our actions with our intention and it starts to bleed out into every aspect of our lives. I, I get really clear with people that what we practice inside of our home, right? Our home should be a safe space for us to practice using our voice and taking up space. And as we practice that inside of our home environment, it starts to bleed out into our confidence and the way we show up in the rest of our life, right? Um, and because, especially because we spend two thirds of our life inside of our home. So it is this beautiful practice space for us. And it's not only that, it's the stage from which we tell the story of our life, not in a performative way, right? Our home is the place that we gather with friends and family. Uh, if you have children, the place that you raise your kids, you know, the, 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 place that you you are spending time with a lover, a friend, you know, all of these things, they're happening inside of our homes, right? And so when I say it's the stage from which we tell the story of our life, I do not mean in a performative way. I mean that it sets the stage for what we're enacting out in our lives. So life design That's is good. all encompassing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I, I love how you how you put that together and how you linked it just with being able to to design a home, looking at how we're all um, how we're all trying to get that like work life balance. Is that the first thing that you say to your clients who are coming to you for that balance to try to help them to align like you just did? How yeah, your, your home? It, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's one of the very first things that we talk about. And it's like a a very small light bulb goes on in their head, right? Because they mm -hmm. feel it and they know what I'm saying is true. And what I'm when I'm saying that, I'm not saying, you know, okay, you should walk away from your job if it's not fulfilling you, you know, so on and so forth. Many people don't have that privilege, right? Right. What I am saying, um, and even if they did, they might not want to, right? <laughs> A lot of mm -hmm. my clients are in their 50s, they're in their late 40s or 50s, sometimes in their 60s. They're they're not looking to start a new career or necessarily mm -hmm. start a new mm -hmm. job. But what we can do is be intentional. We can set boundaries. We can practice those boundaries. We can practice using our voice. We can we can practice being intentional with how we speak instead of being passive aggressive, because I think yeah. so much of our world is the way that it is because we speak so passive aggressively, we aren't allowed to establish boundaries, especially as women. Um, you know, there's all this nuance that lives in that recognizing that we are alive while we're working and being intentional in all aspects of our lives. So like, yes, it's the beginning of a very large conversation. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And being able to design that yourself yeah. and yeah. not having to box yourself to say, because this is my title or because this is who I'm seen mm -hmm. as, then this yeah. is the way that I need to live my life. But yeah. I get to be in control of a complete 
design and a mastermind of what I want my life to look like. Yeah. And one of my favorite books to kind of go through with clients and I'll, you know, some clients like to read and will dive in and read a book with me. And sometimes I'm just bringing excerpts, excerpts and bringing ideas and we're talking through them together. Just depends on what people need. Um, But I love to talk with them about the book Rebel Talent by Francesca Gino. And she talks about um, the variety like of really successful um, business owners and entrepreneurs like the three Michelin star chef Massimo Bottura um, and his restaurant. I cannot remember um, the name of his, I, like part of it is stuck in my head and I, I know I'm going to butcher the name, so I'm not even going to say it, but he's got a, he's got a restaurant in Italy and um and, you know, and any, any given day, she notes that he could be out front sweeping or he could be in the vegetable truck picking the vegetables for the day, or he might be the sommelier for the day. Everybody who works with him and for him, they can move and jockey and be like, you know what, today I have this really great idea and I'd love to, the space to execute it. They can just, they have that freedom to not do the same thing every day and to take on different aspects. And I think when we, when we think about you know, how we show up. I think we have these very rigid ideas. And when we, um, when we can expand that and get intentional about how do I want to show up? How do I want to be able to show up? How Mm -hmm. can I give myself permission to show up? And how Mm -hmm. then am I giving others permission to show up as well? Like as a person, as a leader, as a, as a part of a team, so on and so forth, because no matter who you are, someone's looking to you for inspiration, for mentorship, whether they've said it out loud or not. Right. Mm. So we're all a leader in some way in our life, even Mm. if it's just of ourselves. Do you find that a lot of people come to you and say, you know, I feel lost. My life, I don't know where it's going. It's not where I want it to be. I'm now 50 years old. I'm on the downside third of my Mm. life and I don't know what to do with myself and I'm just unhappy. Uh, do you do you find that there are a lot of people that are in that boat? Hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of people that are in that boat. And I think the most powerful thing about it is that they're in a space where they're willing to say it out loud. And and quite frankly, a lot of those type of conversations come up in group coaching more than one-on-one coaching. Hmm. Um, and I love that. I love that level of, because we, first of all, I always establish emotional safety, right? For, for everyone there, everyone who participates in group coaching, we set an intention for that group coaching for that. And usually it runs three months. I do 12 sessions and then people can, you know, go on for an additional three months, six months, however long, right? You can continue to participate, but we, we do a few things, right? I speak to every person individually once they sign up for group coaching ahead of time so I can understand what's their personal intention and how they want to show up and what they're looking to get out of it. Second, we establish that everything said within within that group coaching session stays there and they have to sign a document that they understand. You cannot ask someone to share their story with others. They, they can say, hey, you guys can share this outside of it, but we're not approaching someone and saying, can I share your story, right? Like mm-hmm. that feels like a violation just in and of itself, right? These short, these stories are meant to stay here. People are meant to have that safety, right? And so as we go through and, and also that everyone commits to sharing something about how what we're talking about that day impacts them or how they've taken it in or how they've interpreted something, even if it's for 10 seconds, every single time we meet. And that establishes equity in the conversation. Right. And no one's allowed to speak more than two minutes, you know, per round, you know, so on and so forth. So we establish equity in the conversation. And by doing so, people really can be vulnerable and they can be honest because they recognize through that participation, their voice matters and that they're heard and that they're seen. And so that that tends to come up more in group coaching than it does in one on one. By the when someone usually hires me for one on one. I think they've kind of worked through that if they've felt that way and they're hiring me one-on-one because they're looking to kind of get to another level. But that's what I love about having a range of different ways that people can interact with me. Um, because I love the way that we show up for each other in those group coaching mm-hmm. conversations. I love the way that people show up and just listen and let the person speak their truth, right? No interruption. And then show up and say, you know, maybe I used to feel that way, right? And there's this there's this sharing of this vulnerability um, 
that helps people to know, number one, that's completely human to feel that way within the way the world works right now. I don't know how at some point in time in your life, you don't feel like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know where to go from here. Um, even if it's just for a quick moment, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and to be able to have those conversations. So yeah, I, I think it's really powerful. And I love when people show yeah. up and, and actually share that truth because it's in that moment when they can share that, that everything changes. Right. Yeah, you know, absolutely. What I really enjoy about this conversation that we're having here is we've got two coaches here, Shelly and Shanna, and they're two different people. And you may resonate with one and, or you may resonate with the other, or you may resonate with both. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is that we all need somebody to be our mentor, yeah. to help us through, to get through the stuff mm-hmm. that we're stuck on so that you can live your life more authentically. And whether Absolutely. it's, whether it's, it's, it's Shanna or whether it's, it's Shelly, it's, it's important coaching. You know, I've been doing this for a while now. I've been doing this for 20 years. When I first started coaching was kind of brand new yeah. and a lot of folks were getting certified and stuff, but you guys have really in the last 20 years, like I know, I know Shelly Shelly and Shanna, you as well, you've come up with, really dynamic ways that can impact somebody's life in a very, very meaningful way. And I'm willing to bet that you have coaching sessions, Shanna, where these people end up exchanging numbers and talking to each other long after the coaching Mm -hmm. session is over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think the kind of vulnerable sharing that happens. I know for a fact that because I still talk to people who were in my first group coaching session four years ago. <laughs> We're still friends, right? Yeah, we still stay connected. Awesome. Right. Um, I guess it's almost five years ago now. Um, but but yes, and and um there's been people who started out in group coaching and maybe their relationship with each other was struggling. And through that they worked through it. They were able to because because sometimes when you're doing like just therapy, like couples therapy, you're still kind of stuck in your own story, right? There's something that coaching does that helps like therapy is necessary. Let me just start with that. I am not discounting or discrediting or in any way say don't go to therapy. I've been to therapy and I've hired several different coaches throughout my life and both have been necessary in their own time and in their own way and have different functions. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. There are things that we can't touch in coaching, right? Because we are not doctors, right. <laughs> um, right. and that is that is reserved for a therapist, right? Those are those are some deeper issues, and I absolutely. But but then there's a moment that you move beyond that, right? And that's I think where coaching comes in is where you're looking to then implement and take action in your life and have understanding of like how does that impact? How can you take that into the real world? How can you work through those things and and gain understanding either from a coach or from the other people in a group coaching mm-hmm. session? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they absolutely become friends, right? They, I've seen relationships flourish, people get married, have kids, um, you know, and, 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 and go on. Right. So like, there's all kinds of things that have come up and I absolutely am still close with, uh, probably half the people who've been through my group coaching. We have pretty regular interactions. That's amazing. I I love it. I want to go back just really quick, Shanna, to your um to the group coaching really quickly. I love the fact that you said that everyone has an opportunity to be vulnerable and to be heard. And so in your group coaching, have you found that people are very apprehensive in the beginning? And they're like, oh, I'm not sure, you know, should I should I be vulnerable? Because in yeah. the, you know, in our society, we say it's okay to be vulnerable, but then when you're vulnerable, then someone may may take that and, and abuse that. So have you found that people have a little bit of a trust issue in the beginning and then they're a little more, a, a yeah. little more comfortable? Great yeah. I, I, yeah. It's a great question. Absolutely. And, and here's what, here's how typically demographically like group coaching has been for me almost entirely down the board, (laughs) like down the line, uh, almost every single session has been almost equally split 50, 50 um, people who identify as male and people who identify as female. Um, uh, I've had a mix of people who are part of the LGBTQIA community, um, people of different ethnic backgrounds, people from different countries, (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. people from different, you know, racial backgrounds. It's all a a very diverse group of people, right? And I love that about it because 
when we're diving into these difficult conversations, we can start to understand things from different people's perspective and we can gain this like nuanced perspective, but it takes time to build into that, right? So if we're mm -hmm. all sharing each session, we're starting to hear how each other interprets things and it starts to establish emotional safety, right? Like it starts to like, okay, how is this person hearing this? How, how are they sharing? Right. And I also love, there's a friend of mine who's, who I had within the coaching for a, a long time, who's also a coach. He typically works with like entrepreneurs, but he, it, it, it he can help to like, especially sometimes for men, because I, because I know that in our world, men are not allowed to show up as vulnerable and authentic and share their emotion. He can kind of help to, usher that moment in for, for a man to be sharing um, that kind of vulnerable emotional share and kind of lead that in for men. Um, but he's not always a part of it, but somehow we seem to always get there where everybody mm -hmm. feels safe to share. And, um, but I am quick to shut down. I, I don't shut down people sharing unless it violates <laughs> <laughs> you know, it starts to cross into misogynist territory. It starts to mm -hmm. cross into like once it starts to be oppressive, you're 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 speaking and not recognizing that you are um you're speaking from a place of privilege or or so on and so forth. We're going to address that, right? I'm not I may not shut you down, but if you're saying things that are harmful to other people, you will be immediately shut down. And by doing that, people also then recognize boundaries, right? Because mm -hmm. to have healthy relationship, there has to be boundaries. Absolutely. Right? And also it makes them feel safe. It right. makes them exactly. feel safe exactly. to have an advocate come and say, you know, you're allowed to express, but right. here's the boundary. So now me being someone right. who may have, have felt a little apprehensive, yes. I have an opportunity to feel yes. that, that safety. Yes. Right. And I'm not forcing people to share a long, you know, amount, right? Like I, I usually, depending on how many people, if we have 20 people and we're meet, we typically meet for an hour and a half, right? If we have 20 people, that's two minutes per person. That's a long, that's half the time we're meeting, right? Mm -hmm. So there's discussion at the beginning, then there's sharing, and then there's kind of a wrap up and, and a conversation that kind of happens like free form at the end. But, you know, to give everybody two minutes to share and have that, that equity and they can share whatever they want. It doesn't even mm -hmm. have to be specifically about what we were talking about. Again, it, it helps people to practice using their voice and, and for everyone to feel safe to share. Um, and by doing that, we lead into learning what it is to be in community with each other, right? Because I say this all the time, systems of oppression succeed because we aren't in community with one another. Hmm. That is so That's true. That's good. That's good right there. They can't sure. succeed if we're in community together. They can't, which is why they absolutely work to pit us against one another. Yep. Mm -hmm. So the solution, one of the solutions, right? And it's a broad solution is community, right? Curiosity, mm -hmm. community, intentionality, right? And practicing those skills so we can be in community together. Absolutely. You mean that there are people that want to pit us against one another? <laughs> Yeah. You're still my my goodness. Imagine <laughs> that. Like, the I people profiting off of us. Yes. Oh, <laughs> have mercy. I, I, I tell you, it's, you know, I got it. It's fun talking to you too. And it's really is, you both are very, very talented at what you do. Um, and by the way, um, because your website uh, has got the unusual name that it does, do you mm -hmm. get a lot of play or do you, do, does it, do people have trouble finding you? Oh, oh, I have, I mean, I've been on 70 podcasts in the last year. So I have backlinks to my website all over the internet. So when people search consonate, I'm the first thing that comes up. Also, if you search my name, I'm all over the place. Pages upon pages of stuff show up because I've been on so many podcasts. So, you know, typically, no, people don't have any hard time finding me because Google's like, we know what you're looking for. We got you. We're taking you right <laughs> Come to on her. over here. Come, Come on. on over here. <laughs> where she is. Here she is. <laughs> by, the, by the way, I'd like to I'd like to thank you for being on the podcast, and I hope we don't suck. Um, <laughs> you've been on so many. You do not, I, I wouldn't. I, Kevin, I enjoyed our last conversation. I loved it. That's why I came. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. It makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that's one of the things. And you're you're right. You are so right. Men in front of other men will not show emotion. 
and they will not allow their true feelings to come about. Do you find that as a female coach that you're able to break down the barrier with men easier than men do with other men? Yeah, because Mm. I can address. So I was listening to the man enough podcast and Liz Plank said something really beautiful. She said, the oppressed always know their oppressor better than they know themselves. Mm. Right. And so as a woman, right, I'm a white woman. So, and, but I'm also neurodivergent. So I have the intersectionality of being a woman and being neurodivergent, but I'm also white. Right. So like, but, so I have this understanding of where I fall within white supremacy in that hierarchical system. Right. But I still can understand and see the way that misogyny and patriarchy puts its boot on the neck of men's humanity. Right. It doesn't keep them down the same way it keeps everybody else down, but it does strip them of their humanity. And so in that way, it keeps men down, right? It keeps them from mm-hmm. their potential, from their humanity, from their be able, their ability to connect, from their ability to like truly experience like deep love and connection and to acknowledge their longing to be connected to the people they love in their lives, right? And I can have this conversation with men and usher them into that because men want to be able to share their emotion, but many times they get shut down when they Mm. do, right? And because as women, we aren't used to being in proximity to men's emotional sharing and because men's emotional sharing might be much messier than ours because they aren't practiced at it. And right? it happens so rarely. Right. You, exactly. You they aren't practiced up, at it. Right. They're bringing up 10 or 15 years worth of shit. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, <laughs> right. It, it's going to be, it's going to be messier. It's going to be less, n- not articulated as well as, as a woman might, right. Or as a non-man might. But, um, but once we, we can, we can create, we can usher that in, we can guide that we can help a man feel comfortable to share, right. And him not be interrupted and, and his experience not be invalidated. And it can be a safe space. It is a safe space for him to be able to practice that, right. As best as I possibly can, right. I can't stop someone from saying something, but I can stop them once they like, you know what I mean? I can't Mm -hmm, prevent them mm -hmm. from from having a thought and blurting it out, but I can shut it down if they do say Mm -hmm. it. But most of the time what happens is, you know, if someone is recognizing that, that, that their thoughts and feelings around a particular topic are toxic, they might Mm -hmm. pull me aside and have then have a private conversation, right? Like, and, and be like, oh, you know, I didn't realize this is a toxic thing or they can bring it up in front of the group too. But oftentimes they might, you can kind of tell they're like chewing on something and they need Mm -hmm. to have a conversation to the side because they, they're, they're not sure that they fully understand it, but they see it now and they didn't before, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Yeah. So there's all these different interesting dynamics that happen. But what I love is that even in some small way through group coaching, men are able to tap into and connect to the recognition that they are fully emotional beings. They feel the same amount of emotions that women do. They're just mm-hmm. not allowed to express them the way that we are. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's a beautiful moment. <clears throat> I wanted to ask you, you, you used a term that I'm unfamiliar with. Okay. Which, which was, you use the term, it was right after white women and I wasn't a white woman and I wasn't on men. Uh, what is you, it? Is that, wait, are you talking about when I said women and and those who are non-men? Um, no, it was a, uh, um, it was, you were describing yourself and I didn't. I didn't oh, understand. neurodivergent. Is that what oh, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Some yeah. of my folks are going, huh? Their ears are yeah. coming. No, oh. I, have, I have ADHD and autism. Oh. Mm, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that falls under the spectrum of neurodivergence. So um, there's, it's anyone who's not considered neurotypical. So ADHD, autism spectrum disorder, autism. There's a few others that are classified under there. Yeah. I have to ask you because this affects a lot more people than just my niece. Yeah. My niece has been diagnosed as being on this, on the spectrum Mm -hmm. and it's, and she's four and Mm -hmm. potty training is becoming a great big issue. Mm -hmm. And in fact, then the fact that she doesn't feel comfortable, she doesn't want to, she doesn't want to go number two. At, mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. It's and a sensory it's, thing, probably. She doesn't like the mm-hmm. sensation. Maybe, maybe. Oh, yeah. 
I, I don't know. And, and it's, it's uh, obviously it's a big deal because everybody's got to go number two, whether you want to or not, eventually. Yeah. yeah. The thing about being inside of a neurodivergent body is that the noise never stops and it's always painful. Right. Like, there's, oh. right. Because there's so neurotypical people, right. You're, I prefer the term holistic because I don't really love that we're classifying neurotypical versus neurodivergent, right? Like that it just feels icky. So holistic people, which is neurotypical people, your brain filters out what it considers unnecessary information. For neurodivergent people, our brains are either hyper-focused and filtering everything out or nothing out. Because our brain is like a supercomputer. It sees the connections between everything. So then everything becomes valid. Everything is a data point. Everything is information. And so there is no filter. Hmm. And so the world is coming at you very fast and overstimulating. Not only that, but people used to believe that we had higher pain tolerances. And that's kind of true. But the reality is that it's because we feel pain more acutely that we actually get used we have to get used to it because we're feeling it all the time um and so yeah i can imagine that for her going number two is perhaps an uncomfortable thing and it's too much of a sensory overload for her and so you know there might be ways that her parents have to get around it by like and there's um there's a friend of mine. I'll have to connect you to her, Kevin. She, I spoke at, um, she had an, uh, an, a conference specifically for autistic people and run by autistic people, um, back in October. And she would be a great resource for your, you said your niece, right? Yeah. Yeah. Your niece's um, parents, because they're going to need support. It's likely also that they have one or both of them have autistic traits themselves. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily autistic, but they likely have autistic traits. And so this might also help them um, because it's typically genetic um, mm. and typically passed down from the father. Um but not always. Uh, they're still kind of learning all about this. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so anyway, it, mm -hmm. I absolutely will connect you with her. Um, and I think, you know, she would have plenty of resources for them. It could be that maybe, you know, the, the other aspect, um, the rest of the aspect of her experience needs to be altered. Like maybe she would be okay if she went number two in the dark they turned out the mm. light or they oh, lit some kind yeah. of candle or spritzed the room with a scent that made her like helped her relax. Or perhaps she could use an adapted like toilet, like a Fisher price, like back in the day they had like Fisher price when I was a kid, it was like this little toilet that sat mm -hmm. on the ground and it was lower mm -hmm. to the ground and easier for me to access. So it, it kind of overcame a lot of hurdles. So the the key for neurodivergent people, at least for myself, was making things simpler and less painful so that I could access them in a way that felt good and comfortable for me. But it's also kind of for me, what feeds my work is that I am so sensitive to the mm -hmm. world that when somebody is acknowledging a pain point for themselves, I can really empathize with it very easily because my own pain level is so high in the world, right? Wow. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I want to thank you for for being so open about that. Yeah, because, no problem. You know, it's it really is important because what is it now? They're like one in one in twelve or one in six or one in eight. Twenty it's fifteen to twenty percent of the population. Which is which is huge and it's growing, mm -hmm. isn't it? I don't know that it's growing. I think we're just acknowledging it. So there's a lot of people, especially older people, um, who like to say that everyone is neurodivergent now and everyone's being diagnosed. And that's just not true. I also push against this idea that most people are neurotypical because that's a whole nother discussion. But the, the, the reality is before 1984, it was legal to lobotomize, forcibly sterilize, and institutionalize people who are autistic or You're neurodivergent. Kidding. What? No. no. And Did you so, say 1980 something? 1984, the year I was born. 
you know, I thought you said 1984, but I know you couldn't have said 1984. Well, Shelly, are you surprised because of how many laws were still real laws? Oh my gosh. This is is it. Is it shocking? Is it? It, This is America. It's it's sad. (laughs) You know, it's it's sad. That is crazy. So, so the reality is I'm laughing, but it's not funny. The reality is that before 1984, right? Most of the time, if somebody was not, if they were not able to mask enough, right? So we, so I'm very high masking, very, very high masking. So people almost never recognize that I'm autistic until I drop my mask. Um, so if people were not before 1984, if you're not, if you're not able to function enough for society, you were pulled away from society. Right. And so it was simply, you were simply not in the general population. Right. So it's not that there are more neurodivergent people now. It's just that we're allowed to live. So I was getting ready to say to just live, we're allowed to, to live and to, en- to enjoy life. Correct. Like, correct. We're like a person. Like oh a my gosh. Person. That's crazy. Like a whole person. Yeah. And, and I, and I would imagine like the intersectionality. So I've been able to connect with a few black women who are also neurodivergent, the intersectionality of being a black neurodivergent person um, before 1984 or even now, I mean now still, right. But like before 1984, I cannot imagine Mm. what that looked like absolutely right i don't i don't really want to imagine that <laughs> if i'm being mm. honest but but that you know that kind of intersectionality um you know is something we need to be paying attention to looking at and making sure mm. we don't go back go back to those places absolutely you know i'll tell you i have really enjoyed this conversation the three of us have had and i think it's going to have an impact on people that that if, if nothing else to start thinking maybe in a different way yeah that, mm-hmm. you know that, yeah. that i can't believe 1984 that's amazing and yeah. i also can't believe you you're just a kid you were born in 84 <laughs> i mean I, somebody said to me the other day because i'm pretty sure i'm premenopausal right now I, I'm pretty sure I've been having hot flashes like for a couple of months now. And they're Aren't like, they fun. Oh, so yeah. fun. The other day I was like drenched. I was sweat. I was drenched in sweat. And I was like, ladies, I'm pretty sure I'm having a hot flash. They're like, you can't be, you can't be. There's no way this woman was so convinced there was no way. And she's like, you can't like pre-menopause that typically doesn't happen until you're 40. I'm like, babe, I'm like 16 months from 40 she's like and i'm like i i you know and i got mine i i started menstruating very young um and i was nine and so she was oh, like oh baby. you can be and i was like i know that's why <laughs> i said it i'm like how old did you think i was she's like I thank you for your permission right she said, she said i know she didn't mean it that way but i think she was like concerned she didn't want me to be because if i was and she she thought i was 26 so if at 26 i was premenopausal that would be a very significant yeah yeah problem. So, like, so, so that okay, that's when you just brush your your eyebrow and say why thank you right. i was like ah uh, my moisturizer that I've been using. Yes. Is working. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Ladies, this has been this has been a pleasure. And I would um Shannon, will you come back? Can we can we do this again? Yeah, absolutely. This has been great. Yeah, absolutely. Would love it. And uh Shelly, I'd love to have you back. By, by the way, what did you think about being I, a host? This has been great. I have learned so much. I've enjoyed talking with Shanna and you know, a little girl power never hurts. I love women. <laughs> I like women better than most men, quite frankly. But uh, but uh, you guys you guys no, are so awesome. do we. We like women more than most men. <laughs> We're hoping to change that. No, I love men. I absolutely love men. Just I wish they had more permission to be themselves. I think, I hope that that is is changing a little bit. Kevin, do you see where that may be changing a little bit? In in men that I that I talk to, there are as a matter of fact, I've got a gentleman coming up on the next hour that is mm-hmm. gonna be on KK and W with me. And he is um he is a spirit, he's got a program where he is spiritually awakened. And there are more men that are doing that, yeah. but there also are a lot of people that are pushing back on guys to yeah. stay in the box because it's mm-hmm. more comfortable mm-hmm. for everybody yeah. else yeah. to have them in. You're the breadwinner. So you've got to go make the money. And I don't care whether you're happy or not. No, I don't care what you're doing. 
Yeah. You know, you've got you've got you, to go. You just you just stick in this yeah. box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a couple of friends that <laughs> that I was I spent twelve years as a bus driver, and I I, I I've mm-hmm. talked about it. I think yeah. both of you know that. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the guys, he was married, and he was working sixty five hours a week. Wow! I said, wow! I said that's that's a lot. And he said, "Well, I have to pay my bills." And I said, "Well." 65 hours a week as a bus driver is like $120,000, $130,000 a year. Yeah. And I said, you can't live within your means? And and he said, well, it's not me. I said, huh? He said, it's my wife. And and she's got a certain style and, and a certain um, style of living and mm. purchasing power, and she, that's what she expects. Mm. So in order for me to make her happy and to keep the home happy mm. i have to work that and besides i don't like her that much anymore anyway so i just might as well oh, work no. <laughs> wow oh, no. there's so much to unpack there and we don't have enough time kevin there's i know a lot to unpack there like a lot, I know. A lot of layers, a lot of layers. <laughs> there's I, a lot of layers to that oh yeah i have another friend that was a bus driver the same thing he had to work 65 hours a week until it killed him wow and so he's he's gone now but uh but it's so you know and so he was looking at me and he goes well what's your wife say and i said i'm not married right he said what's that like (laughs) oh my goodness i can do anything i want to with my money i can work if i want Mm. he said oh man that's so nice i wish i could do that Mm. yeah it's it's just it's hard Yeah. yeah 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 Absolutely. And that's why these safe spaces that you're creating, Shanna, is just yeah. is, is so important because yeah. both sides still there's still some work to do yep. on both. A lot sides. of work. A lot of work. To women do. women yeah. are still are still trying to kick kick that that ceiling down, you know, that yeah. that society wants to create. But then on that other end, there's a whole nother type of a ceiling you know, for men, it may not be on a professional realm, you know, the way it is with, with women, but there's, there's a, a inner struggle that they're not allowed to talk about. And so from my end, I think that that is changing, but I'm not a man. So that's why I was asking you, Kevin, you know, do you see some of these changes um, coming about? Because I want to believe that we're creating a safer space for men, but is that what you you're feeling? Yeah. It's slow. Yeah. It's very, it's very slow. slow. Yeah. Um, but in any event, I've got to go do do mm-hmm. another thing. And and so Shanna, uh, your website again, please. And definitely reach out to me. It's the best way to find me on my website, www.consonate.world. And I'm sure it'll be tagged in the show notes. So click, check me out, email me, reach out. Love to connect with you. And we're going to make a short out of this and all that kind of stuff. So yes, <laughs> thank you. And uh, Shelly, your website. Yes, my website is my name. I like to keep it simple, www.shellymache.com. And I want to thank both of you for being here. And and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I don't want it to end, but I've got responsibilities. You know what that's like. So. Of course. So, <laughs> yeah. Shanna, thank you so much for being yeah. here. Yeah, thanks for be- thanks for having me. So next time we talk, we'll talk about that guy who's working 65 hours a week yeah. and take it out from under the boot that's like seven, you know, size seven. Mm-hmm. Oh. Whatever it is. So thank you, ladies. And hold on. Thank you. Back. Hold on. I'll be right back. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to one another because each other's all we got.